You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Dream is true. Right on. We're trying something different this week, so if it's totally fucked up, you know, uh, don't get mad. It's a free program. <laughs> I'm mad no matter what. Yeah. I try to keep my, uh, my welcome levels. Sorry, go on. <laughs> welcome to episode 121 of the motherfucking podcast. This is the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. Uh, man, I wonder if I should rebrand this podcast because literally Gordo has been on the show more than any of my bandmates combined. <laughs> and <laughs> people that, are starting Al Gordo. Yeah, pretty special? much. Yeah. Pretty much the the Granny Ruckus cast. Anyway, uh, this is episode 121. We're doing something different this time. First of all, um, I'm very excited to have Jake Fairley in the studio. Uh, that is our first live in-studio guest since March. Oh, how, really? how does it feel to be the first person to like come into the room since March? Terrifying. Is it terrifying? No. It's not scary <laughs> at all? You know what's funny? You know, like, you see... Mm, I don't know. We'll see what's about to happen. I think that shit is about to get fucking wiggity again, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's already a little wiggity, though. Well, you yes. know what I mean. Like yes. the the numbers, and now this is this is just from my understanding. Last I heard is that the numbers are like the daily numbers are higher than they were when the whole thing kicked I off. Say it was like three days ago or something was the highest recorded cases since. Yeah, something like that. You should get yeah, closer just, to your mic, the by the way. In, sure. yeah, in, uh, in, in, in Portland, well. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, is it? Um, yeah, my understanding is that. I've heard people say, like, you know, don't tell anybody this, but somebody that I know that works for the governor's office said that the restaurants are about to close down again. Yeah, they said that like, last time. Uh, they said that last time. And I think the difference is, is now people are kind of getting to the point where, like, the initial shock and terror is worn off and things have gotten so bad this year that everyone's just like, fuck it. Uh, yeah, I almost kind of feel like, yeah. to a certain extent, like, the cat's out of the bag, you know? Like, I think that people are just kind of accustomed to what life has become, and, uh... They're tired of sitting around. Yeah, I think... I mean, it's definitely in Portland, people are just, like, they need to be on a patio and be drinking and, like, hanging out with people that they know. Fuck And Portland. it kind of... It kind of outweighs <laughs> the risks. <laughs> Dude, you, Macy. Yeah, you know, and... And that's kind of the thing, is, like... I think, it, like, we were talking before we got on. By the way, my guests today, uh, my partners in the front lines of Good Times, um, animated series, uh, the comic book, and um, the artist and animator behind um, our new video coming out, the video for Acropolis Now. I've got Jake Fairley in the studio. That's me. Let's go to Jake's mic, or Jake's video right there. See, that's Jake. What a handsome mother. And then we got Macy Little. Uh, Hello. live via satellite from, Hello. uh, via Skype-a-lite. Uh, White Eagle Saloon. 
Oh, is that where you are right now, huh? Bar and restaurant. Are you at work? Oregon. You still work there? Uh, no, I am a permanent layoff currently. Oh, really? So, I yeah. like your shirt, Macy. I, I think you're more of a permanent lay. <laughs> oh, oh, weapon goes in and it doesn't come out. Hey, bro, there's no such thing as a I, permanent lay. All right. <laughs> Matt, I stay in there. <laughs> no, but um, I, we, we were talking before we got on, Jake. Um <laughs> Do you uh, have you seen the new South Park yet? The pandemic special. Uh, no, I haven't watched. So it. it's awesome. It's good. For, people for, are talking about that. Thing. I have heard a lot of people talking about it. Well, what's awesome about it is like it was. It's just what we needed. I feel mm-hmm. you know, like we kind of needed an opportunity to laugh about some of the shit that's yeah. been going down. Sure. Uh huh. And um, there was a lot of stuff. Like I could feel a lot of. Pain being purged mm-hmm. through laughing at the jokes in it. They made um, they made COVID. They made a COVID mustaches joke, which I was a really big fan of. What's COVID mustache? Do, okay, you haven't. Have you noticed <laughs> that more? Well, Jay or uh, Macy's got oh, one that, uh, right now. Yeah, like there's been this like trend of people growing mustaches. Uh-huh. Like, so I work with a bunch of really young guys yeah. at Fire on the Mountain. And I've been, I started noticing this trend where like someone would pull down their mask to take a drink of water, and I'd be like, "What the fuck is that on your lip? Damn mustache from? Uh What is that?" And there would be just like a mustache growing. They're like, "Oh, I'm growing a mustache," you know. Uh, And I started seeing this pop up all over. No, I did it too. I had a handlebar mustache for like two months. I saw that hilarious. It was really cool. (laughs) But um, so they made a joke about that. But um, but kind of at the end of the episode, they touched on this thing that just like. Everybody is so tense and anxious and scared and frustrated and like, like at the end of the day, it, or like it's all manifesting in all these different ways and and certainly there are a ton of people out in the streets who are who are protesting for good reasons, but mm-hmm. worldwide, there's protests going on for a variety of reasons yeah. that one can argue to the, uh, as to the degree of their. Um, their viability, sure. uh-huh. you know what I mean? But they're going on all over the world, you mm-hmm. know? There was uh, protests in all over Europe and all over Asia. London had, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been all sorts of crazy stuff going yeah. on. And basically, like, the way they presented it in this episode of South Park was, like, Stan has this breakdown where he just starts crying, and he's just Stan, like, Stan, I just want to get Stan back. the dad? No, Stan is the the dad's kid, Randy Marsh's. Come on, keep up. You ever watch the show? I don't like South Park. <laughs> you don't watch South Park? No. Oh, my God. I'll get into it. I'm, I'm a hipster, dude. I'm like, to the core, to the extent that I'm like, South Park, no. I liked really? I was a teenager. Um, is South Park not a hipster thing? Hipsters don't like South Park? Why? No. I don't. Why? Probably. Why? 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 Okay, Talking so, to your microphone. So... Why don't hipsters like South Park? Uh, I liked it when I was a teenager. Um, and, you know, like, as a teenager, like, oh, I, I thought that they generally made all, like, you know, it was both a funny show, but also that they were, Poignant like, really social insightful. commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then as I c- 
kind of got older. First of all, knowing that they're like fucking staunch libertarians makes me just think like, oh, these guys are kind of assholes maybe, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh. And uh, I don't know. I kind of just lost interest in it. And every subsequent episode that I've watched, it's not like I dislike it. I don't think it's like a shitty show or anything. So are you talking like, like like big L libertarian or little L libertarian? Like libertarian <laughs> like the like the political party or libertarian like the opposite of authoritarian? Um, I would say like the on the political, the political party. So that would that be little L in your well yeah no that's that's big L political okay. party yeah sure. yeah yeah uh-huh. um and you a know like I said L? I'm not like shit talking if you like South Park that is great I'm no 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 it's cool it, I just you know. I'm just very surprised to hear that <laughs> I kind of have always thought of South Park as being like the American satirists mm-hmm. like it's just such a smart show and they and. They both have, like, I have heard that in the past they both identified as libertarians. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they necessarily would anymore. I know that's an old thing that they yeah, said. Yeah, it's definitely but kind of a different time. I'm also talking out of my fucking ass right now. I do not, I don't, like, know that much <laughs> no, about no, these no, guys. No, 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 I fucking, no. Oh, yeah, so you're going to renege let's on keep this now, the, huh? Let's keep digging this hole. Uh, <laughs> no, it, I'm just, no, go, go ahead. What are you saying, Macy? Oh, no, I just want to keep digging in Jake's ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> digging in that I love that about our relationship. Just, I didn't know like I didn't know that it was that that was a that that was a thing that there was a lot like I kind of figured that South Park was the thing of like semi countercultural like wild punk rock um, I mean, crazy it, people I, I would say like you remember when it was on television in like the late 90s like yeah. at that point it definitely there was a it was a very rock and roll tv show um i don't know it's kind of like it's not dissimilar from like what happened it's with just, the simpsons it's just like very yeah uh, corporatized to a certain yeah extent, it's like know? anything it's like anything is like new and hip and cool and interesting and then it's like everybody starts liking it and then everybody likes it because it's good it's like rick and morty right I, yeah yeah, and it gets gets played out. It gets played it's like, out, dude. <laughs> Rick and Morty was cool until people started taking interest in it. Again, I'm big hit yeah, for that like matters to me. Like fucking, I, yeah, if something becomes too popular, <laughs> I almost innately will be opposed to it, which makes me a douche. That doesn't make me cool. See, I and mean, I'm like, you know, acutely aware of that. I'm an aging hipster, so like, like stuff the, the stuff that I like think is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff that I think is cool is like not even close to cool in the eyes of, you know, actual you give it like 10, 15 years, and then like a new generation of people will think it's cool. That just that is true. I got to tell you, Jake. I am. I like. I'm almost like I'm a little stunned to find that out. Like all this time, I thought that just like. Like, one of the things that I was so relieved about when that episode of South Park came out, like, because I, I do think you should check it out. Cause yeah, I think I am going to watch it. I, like I said, I've just, like, heard yeah. some people talking about it. It, it um, really tickled my funny bone on a few things. Mm-hmm. But but I felt like because they kind of – there are certain – thank you, Ethan. Hey, shout out to Ethan Klein, our tech guru, for getting everything up and going so we could do yes. this podcast. Um so there are certain types of people who are somewhat uncancelable because mm-hmm. they kind of have a reputation that precedes them as saying uh, 
controversial things. Yeah. Why would you say something so controversial? Yeah, so but brave? well, but it's part of their but it's part of their brand. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. like someone like Sam Harris, for example, has very controversial conversations with mm. people. So he's pretty much uncancelable because he he's kind of known as a brand for having those talks with people. Uh-huh. You know it's what like, I mean? That's why you hire him in the first place. Well, think about right? like fucking Dave yeah. Chappelle right, right. or something like Dave that. Dave Chappelle, exactly, is another like, example of that. Yeah. Dave Chappelle can cross a lot of lines because mm. he's a comedian where he's kind of known as that being part of his brand. You know. Absolutely. What I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the the irreverence and and unorthodox nature of his of his commentary is you know part of part of his brand. Yes, and I've always seen South Park as that. So when they said that they were coming out with a pandemic special, my feeling was like, thank God they're going to touch on some of these things, mm-hmm. and they'll kind of let the steam out of the pressure cooker a little bit, and maybe. Give us a little bit of headroom for people to start talking to each other and stop yelling at each other just a little bit, you know, just ease the tensions a little bit. And I personally felt that when watching it. Mm -hmm. But um, what I was mentioning is, is Stan at this very end of the episode, like he's trying to break into Build-A-Bear because he keeps like saying that Butters needs some normality in his life and Mm -hmm. all this shit. So like, and you know. Stan is like doing this like classical projection thing onto Butters and like we got to get Butters out of here. We got to get him to build a bear and da da da. <laughs> Takes him here, and nothing's working out, and he's getting all frustrated. And at the very end, he like kind of like breaks down crying, and he's just like he's just like I just want my fucking life back. I just I just you know I feel that very much. my life exactly. I say that out loud nearly every day of my fucking twenty twenty life. Right. Yeah. And so that was the main. Like that was the 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 apex the climax of the episode was kind of reaching this point where you know that's what it all built up to is like expressing what I think is at least in a lot of the conversations I've had with people on the show or you know friends from the neighborhood or what I've been you know what I have been seeing on social media when I when I allow myself to indulge in it is. A lot of people are just frustrated because they want their lives back. Mm-hmm. And I think even though the numbers are high still, I think we've seen the levy is just broken. Yeah. And people are just kind of like, fuck it. I'll do everything I can to keep myself and everybody else safe. But the, you know, the dice are going to fall where they're going to That's kind of what I mean when I say that, like, you know, thinking that the cat is out of the bag. I think right. just like we've already fucking gone through this like period wherein you know, people are kind of comfortable or sort of understand what their life is going to be is like under these circumstances and right. like I think are going to probably be a little more fast and loose with how they behave than right. they were at the beginning of this and like I mean outside of like a really strictly enforced government state mandate I don't think you're going to fucking go back to you know phase one or whatever the you know, yeah the well I mean except here in Denver they're trying to um have you, and actually, uh, Macy, I wanted to ask you, I, I really wanted to hear a lot about Portland. It is okay. uh-huh. You know, it's- because we've got, I've got a handful of guests who are coming on the show who are from Portland. I've got uh, my buddies from My New Vice coming on the show here soon. Uh, my New Vice, not Miami Vice. Just, <laughs> I know I said that really quickly. Wait, it, is, it is okay for me to smoke a cigarette. Yeah, go ahead and smoke yeah. a cigarette. Yeah. Um, cool. But, um, have you guys seen any changes to the public health mandates recently? So, I don't know. It's just back and forth. Basically, um, 
the rioting and the protesting has just been on the forefront of uh, just fucking, you know, civilization right now. It's right. like um, uh, we live, me and my girlfriend live two blocks away from like one of the justice centers. Um, oh, shit. And, you guys live yeah, right next and, to one of the justice centers? Yeah. Like where the and, shit has uh, been going down. Yeah. Um, and it's been crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know you know once a month or whatever there's like a four or five block radius just on that street that you can't drive on mm-hmm. um and just like that, because they've that created an autonomous zone or just they're keeping it blocked off uh it's just because of burnt rubble oh my uh, fucking god dude yeah <laughs> um it's it's pretty crazy it, 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 it it's weird in portland because it's you can the the protesting and and that stuff can be like so in your face um, while simultaneously being something that you never think about, um, because it is so contained in like a three to, you know, a five to 10 block radius, like downtown. And then there's a couple other, like, you know, police centers, uh, that they, they march around. Uh-huh. Uh, right. So that, I mean, you know, there's hundreds and sometimes thousands of protesters there. And that with COVID, I think is a really strange kind of, uh, I don't know, mix, mix in society. Like, um, so as far as like, you know, my girlfriend's working, she's a bar manager. Um, she's super busy all the time. Still. Yeah, she's still on like, uh, full time, right? Huh? She's still on like full time, right? Yeah. She's like full time yeah. and she's making more money now than she was before COVID. Oh no shit. Uh, yeah. We saw a 25% increase in yeah, business from yeah. last year. That's not what is happening everywhere. Like the restaurant that uh-huh. my sister works in is not fucking I think it depends awful. on what the the model of the business I is, so you know, uh-huh. and and like mm-hmm. if it's if, feel, yeah. if it's a bar like that's set up for that. Um yeah, it's also yeah, like the bar, like the space needs to, you know, be able to occupy people sitting at every other table and still function, you know. Uh-huh. Um or, you know, a lot of places have been putting up the screens and stuff like that. Yeah, patios uh, and shit, you know. But but I I guess and I do want to talk about some of the protests yeah. and rioting, and I and I and I do appreciate that you make the distinction because I mean I think it's I think it's important for us, especially those of us who consider ourselves to be, uh, you know, members of this this leftist side of the political divide. Like I yeah. think it's I think it's important for us to have honest dialogues with. Like, I don't think the big issue, right? Like, I, we are so polarized right now that crazy. the challenge is not even reaching across the aisle to the people on the right, which should also happen, you know, in order to, like, unify the country and get everybody back together and, yeah. Yeah. and try and save the republic. But we're at the point where it's gotten so divided that, like, we have to reach across the aisle to people in our own, on our own I side mean, of the political think that's, like, one of the big problems with the suppose it the quote-unquote left side of the fucking aisle is that like they're you know it's just a more diverse uh sorry it's a you know it is a more diverse or more eclectic group of people and there just are more viewpoints out there i mean it's a thing that the right is good at it's just fucking everybody gets behind this well it's the ideology of new ideas that's the whole purpose of the left yeah is the purpose of the right is structure and and you know systems mm-hmm. and hierarchies and all these different things and then the left is basically supposed to come in and shake things up and criticize their those hierarchies 
But when it goes wrong is when you have like I did um, I did that political compass test and I wasn't surprised at the results I got, which, by the way, I recommend people take the political compass test uh-huh. and then look at the election political compass. And it's terrifying, hmm. like pretty much almost every political uh, presidential candidate from this election, 2016, all the way back to 2012, when Obama ran, everybody is up in the authoritarian right quadrant. Everybody. Uh, sure. Biden, Kamala Harris, fucking Obama, Trump, it's just, Pence, yeah, I mean, all of them. They're all, in, they're all in that upper right-hand quadrant. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and, and... That's where all the fucking money is. Well, right. Know? And then, <laughs> and then I, you know, I looked at mine and I, and I registered kind of in the about where I thought I was going to be, you know, in the centrist, leftist, the libertarian-ish, sure. you know, that that lower left quadrant. Um, but um, but I want, but some of the questions in it, uh, they, they there weren't. It, it was missing a lot of kind of more recent issues that I think tear people apart on the left all the time yeah you know ideas on identity politics ideas on how the covid situation is being handled yeah you know ideas on uh you know people's thoughts and feelings around protesting and rioting and what's the difference and where do we make the distinction there's all this like we are so fractured on the left that like having a conversation with people on the right is just like it seems like this far off like, it's fucking crazy. I mean, dude, yeah. like, I don't know. Earlier today, I did some yard work at my grandmother's place. My grandmother is, uh, I don't, she's she's pretty far right. And, uh, you know, I kind of like, I look at this lady as being emblematic of, of what I think a lot of people on the right tend to think. And, you know, just like boilerplate talking points, that kind of stuff. And uh, we were talking about politics while I was putting some mulch in her yard. And uh, um, she had me watch this. She's like, Will you watch this 17-minute video? And it's some fucking old geezer motherfucker. You know, it's just like fucking... It's so much more about antagonizing the other team than it is about promoting your own fucking ideology or your own fucking, you know, talking points. Um, Yeah, I mean, this whole video is just... The liberals are gonna fucking come for you, and they're gonna cut your goddamn right, right, daughter's right. head off. And he's like, they're not. He's not talking about his like their own policy or anything like that in this fucking video. And again, it's just like, it was a, it was, frankly, if it wasn't so terrifying, it would be a really funny video because this guy just right. fucking, it's just this old guy, you know, spread telling old, telling other old people to be afraid of the new frontier, basically, you know, right. Um, well, and 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 it's and then on the other side, you have. You have the folks on the left who are making a sport out of shouting dissenting opinions out of the room mm-hmm. and out of shaming people and doxing people and doing what I mean, I, I certainly support a person's right to protest and I certainly support standing up for what you believe in. Of course. But there are some people out there who are doing revolutionary cosplay straight up. Yep. Like yeah, they're they're glorifying, um, you know, like the Chinese Cultural Revolution or like the Russian Revolution. Like they're glorifying these things that that had implications of costing human lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I absolutely have. Um, you know, I 
have had coworkers and people in my vicinity that were like, did you catch my stream last night? Like I was out there, you know, like, right. Um, and it's <laughs> honestly, it's like, if you watch their stream, it's just pointed at themselves. You right. Know, like just this like frame. That's like literally this big, just around the me show. Face. Yeah. The yep. whole time. And right. it's, it was just so weird to see the difference between the people that were there. Uh, cause they wanted to like, you know, support this cause or whatever. Um, and then people that were there because it was just, like, the thing to do. Mm-hmm, um, right. Which is just a really interesting thing because it's, like, you need those people, too, because you ultimately need numbers anyway. Um, it's true. But, but the it, bigger the numbers get... There's something ingenuine about it that's really interesting. Well, and the bigger the numbers the get... The bigger the numbers get, it's like... It, 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 we're, we're, we're being asked, and not even asked, we're being expected to ignore the the statistical anomaly of the percentage of people in any large group that are are bad faith actors sure you know yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like it's like there are no matter no matter what your cause is there are people who are hitching their wagon to it because like it's not about it's not about supporting the cause of Black Lives Matter. It's about going and trying to destroy capitalism and burn it down mm-hmm. and, and trying to destroy society because of an idea of some sort of anarchist utopia uh-huh. or, you know, some, some sort of, you know, uh, ultra leftist communist utopia or something like that. Like, there are people out there like that. Yeah. And then, likewise, there are people on the right where it's like, there are people who are just patriots and they believe in protecting the country and all these different things and they want to they they they're they're proud of the country and they want to protect it and at the same time there are fucking wing nuts out there who do want to see a uh, a white ethno state oh yeah know, for sure that, that should like, definitely fucking like exist they yeah. they are out there but i think that on either side what we do is we kind of take those fringe people and and legacy media is largely responsible for this of pointing the cameras at the individuals in those bad faith actors and using them to win arguments for whatever team that they're on for sure you know and i saw this video today um that i cannot believe is not in greater circulation when i saw it there was only like something like twelve thousand views on it Mm -hmm. but it was a chapter leader of Black Lives Matter from Utah mm-hmm. and a chapter leader of the Proud Boys conducting a press conference where they sat down or where they basically went on this press conference to say, hey, we got in touch during a protest. We were introduced to each other. We have uh, had correspondence. We've had several sit-down conversations, and we're here to set the record straight, and we've been learning a lot from each other, and, you know, basically legacy media has some shit to answer for. You know, they are portraying narrative, you know, Fox News is portraying an inaccurate narrative on... Black Lives Matter and leadership and and they are, you know, uh, and then on the left, you have the people who are mis- and this is, again, 
you know, I don't want to get lit on fire for this, but this is like from the video that I saw is like, you know, left wing media is mischaracterizing the Proud Boys through this conversation that they're having. Sure. And yeah. dude, seriously. Tread lightly here, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But I watched it and it's like it, and they talked about some of the misconceptions about um, about various Antifa cells and things like that. And it was just interesting to see. These two people conducting a press conference where they were, I mean, it was very respectful. It was very like, it was like, look, this is what, this is what she says that we agree with. This is what, you know, these guys say that I agree with. This is where we have disagreement, but we're, we're sitting down and we're having a conversation and uh, they even, um, and, and again, I don't want to get lit on fire for this, <laughs> but it, but in this conversation, this woman who is a you know uh, Black Lives Matter uh, uh, chapter leader is basically talking about how you know she came to understand that they have a vetting process to actually actively keep white supremacists out of the Proud Boys because it's not what their ideology stands for, which I found okay. really confusing, and I would need to see more source material on that. You know, I'm just not just going to buy that hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. But I this mean, was a like piece it. of... Com- Say what? <laughs> they don't like it. <laughs> they don't like what? Well, I mean, it still just like yeah, doesn't just negate like white supremacy. It's like, they don't like it. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we're not for it. We're not fans. <laughs> it still doesn't negate, like, for example, you know, fucking stand back and stand by. Like, ultimately, under that circumstance, like, they are specifically identified as a white supremacist organization, and the fucking rhetoric is still. They even stand commented on that Trump by, thing. Like, that the uh-huh. that the Proud Boys chapter leader that was on that even commented on that. What did he say? He was he was basically like, he was like, we don't take that as a dog whistle like like he, he was speaking in the verbiage that was presented to him by chris wallace uh-huh. in the debate it's like that was a surprise to us as much as it was a surprise to the rest of the country hmm. and it's it's I, I would have to look up what the God, actual I w- video I is it, called. i wish it was more of a surprise yeah i mean be a better world if it was a bigger surprise. look and i don't i <laughs> i don't know and i kind of want to like find this video so I can tell you guys what it is. Anyway, I, I'm sure if you just Google, yeah. um, if you just Google Black Lives Matter and Proud Boys Meet Up, yeah. Utah video, mm-hmm. press conference, whatever, if you look that up, you can see it. And people can judge for themselves. Sure. You know, I don't know, especially living in the age of the information wars where people are like, we have directly experienced, you know, uh, Trolls or like Russian troll farms. Oh, yeah. Like, it's been established. It's not a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people out stoking the fires of hatred and things like that. And legacy media is kind of a dying, um, it's kind of a dying form. So they're doing whatever they can to get clicks. So, you know, I have seen mischaracterizations of all kinds of people on both sides of the divide by major media outlets and just regular ass people on sure. social media platforms. because everything is so fucking sensationalized you know like in right. order, in order for because you know that's it's structured like a business and in order to fucking get to in order for business to be as good as it can be you know they're trying to entertain you like fucking it's it is entertainment over information in terms of right. priority and that is in a good way to fucking distribute information you know fucking having a well-informed public 
isn't going to be most successfully achieved if the means by which information is distributed is to fucking stoke rage and yeah fucking you right. know sell you a fucking action movie or whatever you know like that's right. not this isn't a fucking action movie this is information we're just trying to understand well it's a highlight reel for your team if you're watching it's like if you're watching the broncos play on the local channel in between actual gameplay there's going to be highlight reels of your team kicking ass. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the same. It's the same principle. Hundred percent. Yes. It's like it's like here's the fucking highlight reel of our team and our team's ideology, and here's the other team making an ass of yeah, themselves. Yeah, I was gonna say because you know what? It's interesting is how, is how much of that you see the in owned videos media, and shit like news that. Media is yeah, fucking again. It's like it's it's more about antagonism than it is about it's fucking. I've been watching that Nexium documentary on uh, on HBO. I haven't I've been, seen it I've been, yet. It's fucking fascinating. Um, I've been thinking about cults a lot recently. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we're thinking, living in an age of cults. No, man. no, fucking. It's I mean, crazy. Like, yeah. what there is in order to run a successful cult is establishing the ideology under which you're going to be, you know, fucking conducting yourself. And the immediate next step is to create antagonism. That there is that there is a group of people that are fucking out to get you and are, right. you know, agents of compromising, them, compromise you and your beliefs and your fucking, you know, your functionality as a person. That's fundamental to being able to run a cult. And right. ultimately, again, fucking watching all of this antagonistic or antagonistic rhetoric in the news just makes me think you're in a fucking cult, dude. Like, right. you know, like, right. Well, and, and to kind of circle back around to what we were kind of like originally talking about is this, this idea that like, for some reason, we're not supposed to acknowledge the fact that people are not just spilling into the streets because they're standing up for what they believe in. They're spilling into the streets because they have something they believe in and they're out of work and they've got too much free time on their hands, and they're staring at their phones all day, and we're in an election season, and people are lonely and miss each other, and the governments, various governments around the world in in at least democratized nations are saying, you know, you have the right to go out in the street and protest. Mm -hmm. Like here in the U.S., you know, and and we can run down the U.S. all day long, but one thing that we do have is the right to peaceful pl- protest, and it's become a loophole for people to spill out into the streets and be with each other. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and I would understand the criticism towards bringing that up mm-hmm. if it was only happening here, but it's happening worldwide with a bunch of different causes, yeah. you know. There's the election in Belarus, and there were people spilling into the streets for that. There's been all sorts of stuff in Germany. There's like a whole anti-masker, pro-masker clash in in, in Germany fucking, right now. It's wild that that is a partisan issue. A fucking a of disease, course, it's a, a partisan a, issue. A disease is just not a fucking candidate. It's not. It's not. Doesn't work for the government. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, of course, it's a partisan issue. I mean, because it, like, because the various teams have made it into a partisan issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been this opportunity to to unify all of us, but instead, it's like you know, Again, that shit doesn't sell. Hey, we've really got to get Trump out of here. Let's figure out a way to. Um, let's figure out a way to stack the deck deck against him because he really blew it. And in all honesty, he really did blow it. He really it, fucking but, blew it. Yes. Right. 
But then on the other side, you know, Trump's sitting there going, ah, oh, it's a Democratic hoax, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, this, that, and the other. They tried to get me with the one hoax. By the way, have you watched the Totally Under Control documentary uh-huh. that just came out? No. They may, they've all, of course, just in time for the election, they've already put out a documentary that pretty much outlines the timeline of COVID. Mm-hmm. And it was a really interesting documentary. And it was, and I found it to be captivating, and there was a lot of great stuff in it. My only complaint about it is it was so obviously a hit piece. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, here's all the facts that are damning enough in themselves. Yeah. It was deliberately designed to to go after the other team. Uh You know, it was deliberately presented with that tone. That's just a bad thing about some documentaries. It's like, like, we get it. You don't have to fucking... Yes, I know how to speak English. I understand this. You know, like, fucking... (laughs) I'm... and, and, And look, I am... I consider myself a fan of Western liberalism. And I don't mean... Liberalism, like the way we talk about it, liberals and conservatives. Yeah, no, I, like I mean, like the ideology itself. Like I mean, like the the ideology of liberalism that that brought about the uh, the thriving of of Western ideas at their best yeah. as we see them. Yeah, you know the ideas that ended slavery worldwide. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? The ideas that. That have that gave workers' rights worldwide. Mm-hmm. That you know that brought H- about human, human rights. rights. You know human yeah, rights, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm a big fan of Western liberalism. Yeah, yeah, and at the same time, I think that it is unresourceful and foolish for us to have conversations only with the purpose of winning against the other I totally team. agree with that. I mean, that's fucking that's kind of the backbone of what there is about fucking toxic masculinity or fucking just being a shitty asshole in general. Having, well, but having it, to be fucking right every single time words come out of your mouth. Right. That is the that's a characteristic of somebody who's got some self-improvement in their possible right. future, you know. You know, and 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 I totally get that. And um, and and I was actually thinking about this today. I kind of feel bad for our parents' generation, especially the men in our parents' generation who had those type of norms mm-hmm. um, put on them and did not have access necessarily to the broader world that might have shown them a different way. Yeah, you know, like I pick up my son and I kiss him on the mouth and I tell him I love him fifty thousand times a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there was a time where that was not necessarily thought of as being okay. And and it's very easy for us to look back on generations before us with a critical eye, even though the world has changed immeasurably in the 38 years I've been alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, there are a lot of things that we take for granted that, and I don't mean it in the sense like like just... um, you know, just like I mean that in the true sense of the phrase, taking it for granted. Like mm-hmm. there are things that we just take as being common sense that were not common sense five fucking minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the grand scheme of things. But uh, I have um, I just finished this book recently called How to Have Impossible Conversations mm-hmm. by um, James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian. No, you know how to read. Dude, that's tight. Well, it was an audio. Bu- <laughs> it was an audio book. <laughs> It I counts. The fucking dude. Yeah, yeah. Put that on the fucking scoreboard. But um, 
but I was uh, going through the book, and most of the book is just about how to have dialectic instead of debate. Mm-hmm. How to sit and listen to each other and try to understand, you know, what people are saying instead of creating outgroups. Yeah. And I talked about this when um, Aaron Say was on the show. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of enemies in exile. Sure. Because the more enemies you have in exile, the more they team up. Like that's if you, not wrong. That's 100% right. If you create that, yeah. an outgroup, mm-hmm. that outgroup that's creates how, its own in-group. Here. That's how fucking Trump Precisely. happened. You know? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how Trump happened. Yeah, yeah. Is, you know, aside from the fact that the Russians definitely meddled in our election. Unequivocally, yes <laughs> yeah. to that. They but, absolutely uh, definitely meddled in the election. Yeah, but, you know, this and fucking... And continue to do this, so. Again, fucking, you know, right-wing cult that's existent in America at this point is absolutely the product of... You know, like you were just saying, fucking isolating right. this whole fucking group of people. And they, you know, it's just enough people fucking pity partying, feeling bad for themselves and fucking ultimately led to this being a mainstream thing now. You know, again, we they, they elected a president over it. Right. Know? Well, I mean, yeah. look, we're all white males here and we're, we're, hey. we're, we're, we're right we're all we're all and 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 I believe all three of us are mostly heterosexual I would say I don't think anybody is 100% heterosexual I was gonna say I was doing a big cuddle with my friend Tom last night it was great see I've always thought of myself like I've always thought (laughs) I've always thought about my uh, my degree on the the sexuality spectrum as being like the like probably 80% straight and that 20% is like Roman soldier Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's just like, it's like, I, I love the men I serve in battle with. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I want to embrace them in brotherhood. Like, you know, that is that is definitely a thing. Anyway, it, but as, as three, you know, primarily heterosexual, mostly demonstrating Caucasian males, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you are told over and over again that in various ways that somehow you are the source of all evil on the planet, mm-hmm. you know, luckily I'm pretty resilient and anti-fragile and I can let a lot of that shit roll off my back. Um, but I've also got a little boy at home that I've got to send out into the world and who is going to experience at some point someone who automatically writes him off because of the fact that he is he's a, a middle class white male right? sure um, and if you're not as resilient like if you don't if you haven't fortified and steeled yourself against the possibility that you're going to come up against that kind of resistance like if you've grown up in a container where that's you know you've never experienced that kind of pushback mm-hmm and you're less enlightened and you're less evolved, It's I can see how it would be easy to tip the other way and go, well, if I'm not welcome over here, then I'll go where I am welcome. Yeah. And where I am welcome is over here at the VFW Hall or the Elks Lodge or over here, you know, and then to the greater extreme. Arby's. What? <laughs> Arby's. Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> that, does, that was a good one. I mean, I just think like... I don't know. First of all, in terms of like uh, just the kind of like almost comical hypocrisy of like, 
I don't know. You know, I was like talking to my grandmother again today. She's like, it's like, I feel afraid to go out and play. She's afraid to be a Republican in public, basically. And I'm like, no, it was like, you know, she's got this whole fucking element of the narrative that is like being white is a sin and you're going to be in trouble for being white. And it's that's what Tucker Carlson told her. hundred percent. That's exactly what I was going to say. Right. Um, But he didn't construct that. You know what I mean? They are taking they are taking a fear and a feeling that is present mm-hmm. and magnifying it. It's like yeah, like look at the trush, the the Russian trolls, for example. Mm-hmm. They didn't create the racial tensions in the U.S. Okay, yeah. they did not create them. They didn't manufacture them and make them up. What They're they good at did manipulating them. Is now. they took stuff that did exist and they picked at it. Yeah. And they stoked the fires and with the express purpose of causing division in the country. Yep. And it you fucking know, worked, man. It absolutely you know? did work. Mm-hmm. You know, Fuck and it, it, and it, it, sinker it continues one. to work. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of the point is this stuff doesn't come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, the antidote for that is to... Learn to take an arrow in the shoulder. Learn to hear things that we find offensive. Not take them personally. Not identify people with their message. Not identify people with their ideology and kind of see past that to the human being that is below all For of sure. that. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. try and try and learn about each other and try and find our common ground and our common humanity. Yeah. Because, I mean, it just comes down to empathy, you know? Fucking, right. Uh, just be wanting to, you know, approaching all of your engagements, engagements with other people from just a place of general kindness that, like, you know, you're a person, you deserve kindness, right? right. Unless you're some kind of fucking terrible person from like that, that's been established. Somewhere. Well, and but even like, you know. even a terrible person, even a psychopath, probably, you know, didn't come out of the womb wanting to murder people. You know what I mean? You look Every at someone so often like, that happens. Well, you look <laughs> you look at someone like Ted Kaczynski, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ted Kaczynski. I saw this documentary on Ted Kaczynski, and they talked about he oh, he was podcast. this. Let's get to some true crime. He shit, was this. <laughs> he was this like really happy baby and all this stuff and da 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 da. And he got sick and was put in a hospital and was isolated from his parents during a very crucial time of his childhood. Mm-hmm. He was isolated from his family. Um, for a really long period of time. Yeah, yeah. A period of months. Mm-hmm. And when they got him back, he was never the same. Um, After that, he became very distant from people. Like, he, all his warmth um, just totally shut off. Well, he also just fucking thought that he deserved the world to be laid before his feet for him to do whatever he wanted. I mean, Kaczynski was a fucking... It's a classic asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kaczynski <laughs> yeah. was a piece of shit. Yeah. But he didn't start out that way, is kind sure. of my point. Um, like, it was a process of moment-to-moment little tweaks and, and things that happened in his brain. Uh-huh. You know, they were probably little genetic things that were latent there, but his environment triggered off those processes. Yeah. You know, his genetics. They, they unlocked the key to those gene sequences that made him into a into a monster mm-hmm. you know what i mean um, but um but macy i want to know i want to know a little bit more about portland and how you've been holding up and how things have been with the protests and the riots and and like 
And what video game have you been playing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> video games? I am super deep into League of Legends right now. Uh, All right, it is a ten-year-old video game that no one <laughs> plays. Can you hear me? No, what is? Le- yeah, League I can hear you. What's League of Legends? Okay. Uh, it's a game that came out 10 years ago that nobody plays anymore, <laughs> but I'm still playing it. Or I just McCullin found out about it, it right now. So uh, me and my friends have been playing that. It's an online multiplayer game, so we, like, you know, wreck some dudes on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been doing that uh, a lot because I'm unemployed. Um, 2020, the year of the Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to check in with everybody constantly and see where everybody's right. at. A- a big group of my friends just decided to go to Hawaii, so they've been there for like three weeks. And they sent you uh-huh. a shirt? Hmm? They sent you a shirt, I take it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you seen uh, uh, Have you seen Spence? He's out there right now. Sorry, it's Macy and I, I are haven't. like old friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jake. <laughs> hey, dude, this is just like personal How's conversation. You know what? We did, this, um, this, I'm sorry. We can talk about this shit yeah. later. There we go. Our friend, the drummer in Hail Satan, um, is out in Portland right now. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I hope to see him. Um, yeah, and I've just been checking in on people. My, my girlfriend's working full time. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's strangely normal. Uh, a lot of people are working and a lot of people are not working. Um, a lot of people go out pretty often. Um, I have a friend that lives downtown who's going to the protests, you know, like every single night and has been down there, you know, every single time or whatever outside of, you know, two or three, um, and there's more episodes of the protest than there have crazy. been of this podcast, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's crazy down there. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it, it's a weird thing to be constantly reminded of. Um, um, because I feel like every Portlander, you know, like, uh, has that in the back of their mind that, you know these protests are happening. I'm like a you Portlander, know. like a high, like you're a Highlander. <laughs> I'm a Highlander. You are. You're there, a Portlander. There, there can be only one Macy. There can only be me. <laughs> yeah, and and I saw something. Um, so I uh, I follow uh, Brett Weinstein and uh, Heather Hying. They they do a podcast and they live in Portland, mm-hmm. and so they've been you know they've been covering um, a variety of issues, but they've been covering. You know the Portland situation from from you know a ground's eye view, uh, yeah. pretty much all summer, and and so I've been keeping pretty close tabs on it. I've been hearing them talk about it and how scary it is and how ugly it's gotten and and some of the 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 things that maybe are in the blind spot of our contemporaries on the left. And then at the same time, I'm hearing people really downplaying it, really like going, you know, like I, I, I don't I'm sure many people have seen the meme where it's just like a little tiny red square in the uh, the map of the city of Portland. And like and like this is the total area of the protests. And it and it's it's mostly a it's mostly a peaceful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's like, it's like, yeah, it's a very small area, but there's a lot of extreme violence going down there. Sure. Yeah. You know, there's, there's buildings being attacked. There's, um, you know, there's people who are like 
literally throwing feces at the cops. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And then the cops are hamstrung because Ted Wheeler, like, refuses to basically let them do their jobs and refuses to shut it down. And at the same time, the people that Ted Wheeler is trying to facilitate are also at the same time calling for him to resign and are criticizing him and and talking all kinds of shit on the one guy that's on their team. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's like um, the the downplaying of it, there's also this aspect of that specifically um that there's this there's this narrative that this is this like anarchist state where you know people are living in this like mad max dystopia right um and so there's a part of that you know where it's like i I don't know if you've seen like um there's a lot of reporters that are just posting normal photos of their like commute to work or whatever or you know they're their trip on the bus and it's just normal and right right you know it's just like normal streets and this just normal portland stuff um because that's there's that aspect of it where it's like no it's not complete chaos um it it is you know designated to this area and i'm not afraid for my life constantly right you know it's not this constant you know barrage of just like homeless camps and you know, trading drugs and prostituting myself for sex and, you know, to try to get by and stuff like that. It's not that it's, yeah, it's not this dystopian place, I guess. Right, um, right. They are trying to paint it. Um, And so there's that, there's two sides of that where it's like, it's not small. Neither one is telling the whole story. It's not, yeah, it's just like, I mean, you can criticize it, you know, however you want, but there's it's your criticism is still going to fall short yeah it's just because the criticisms on both sides are not completely accurate yeah they're either downplaying it or they're saying it's overinflating it yeah yeah overinflating it and both sides are doing that simultaneously because they're trying to win because their team they're trying to win for their team yep you know, and and I'm, dude, I'm just at this point, and I've been at this point, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I am really on the fuck teams team. Sure, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Um, and and I would start the fuck teams team. We're not for the the fact that our team motto is fuck teams. <laughs> like seriously, man. I like I heard this. Um, I heard this interview with this journalist from Reason TV who was on the ground and she had it was during one of the times that there was a um, there was basically a a confrontation between there was a protest and a counter protest between um, uh, the you know Antifa and Black Bloc and Black Lives Matter and all those groups and then there was the Proud Boys on the other side and she talked about how she kind of just wandered around talking to the different camps interviewing people and when when the active protesting and rioting were going on you know she like she said it, it, the times when that was not going on She's just walking around talking to people and everybody just acted, you know, everybody just acted like kids, like people, uh-huh. you know, it, it wasn't a matter of right versus left. It wasn't a matter of Proud Boys versus Antifa. It was, you know, a bunch of 20 year olds hanging around, you know, 
getting each other water and and resting up for the big you know the big the big clash the big that night yeah, but yeah. but also like you know some of them being aggressive but most of them being polite and gracious mm-hmm. and human i was going to say it's just, it's just easy to forget that these are all fucking people that are doing this. Yeah, it's all human fucking, beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, know, it's it's like that. Uh, you ever you ever see that Black Mirror episode where um, the guy goes into the military because they're at war with these monsters? It turns out they are the monsters are actually just people. They're human they're, beings, they're, and they've like, been like basically eyes. brainwashed yeah, into yeah, yeah. into seeing them all as, yeah, for as sure. monsters and uh-huh. stuff like that. Like, like man, that show is. So like, it, it's a little too on the nose oh, sometimes. Fucking, dude, like, but you, you can, I can't watch more than like two episodes of it consecutively without just like, yeah, man, having to fucking go lay down for a while. You know? it, yeah, yeah, man. Or just like, it's fucking look harsh, at man. Painting. Look at a, at an <laughs> say what? Yeah, like and just look at nature, or like you know, just think about art and painting and just the nice things <laughs> yeah, in life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> take a fucking spirit <laughs> like, shower, you know? Yeah, yeah. like I, I, I it's funny that Charlie Brooker is like on record in 2020 being like, you know what? These times are we don't need to make Black Mirror right now. The world doesn't yeah. need Black Mirror <laughs> right now. Right? <laughs> yeah, the he's like the world is Black Mirror right yeah. now. Like, yeah, yeah just cool it. Yeah. We got that fucking. So, so now that we've solved all the world's problems, guys, we're good at this. Let's. <laughs> we're really good at this, yeah. dude. And and I gotta. I, dude, I love that three you know white males can get together and solve all the problems. Absolutely. <laughs> so the founding fathers intended it, bro. Yeah, you figured it out. Hey guys. It's anybody. It uh, the revolution's over here. We're uh, yeah taking care of it. Just kidding. Macy, you look great right now. You do. You do look really good, Macy. Fuck, you're a beautiful human Thanks. being. And your background is gorgeous. You look like, like you... the brick and the foliage and the lights. It's very Portland where you it are is, yeah. right now. Well, he, where you work it's, is very it's Portland. It's weird because I'm in Portland. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I fucking... Me. I love uh, Portland. I love I that too. town. And I, I do too. And I got to tell you, I've been kind of rethinking of our like rethinking about my intention with our video uh-huh because okay so so for those who don't know uh jake of course is the illustrator behind the front lines of good times comic book series by mf ruckus and jake mm-hmm. fairley and macy is the animator who brought you um our last motion comic and is doing our um our music video for acropolis now and what started out as a song just about a titty bar in Portland that we like and you know basically yeah it's a great place has become this like sort of love song to the city of Portland for me Uh like it's like I just see what is going on with the fires and with the conflict and with the you know, with with the the political unrest and and just what is going on with the governor and the mayor and all these different things, and I just like, dude, I hurt for Portland, you know, because I love that town so much. You know, I have so many fond memories of going there and and going to the Acropolis or playing shows with with my friends from, you know, My New Vice or playing over at Dante's or, 
you know, going over to the. You know, I played a couple shows at the Queen of Hearts and and Plan B and and just like these great memories that I have had about going to Portland. And it's like if I were to name the top three places that I would go live if I if Denver burned to the ground and I had no home. Like, Portland is among the places that I would go to. And I've been thinking of this project that we've been working on. It's just so interesting that during this time, we're working on this goofy, silly video Mm -hmm. that takes place in an apocalypse, which begins in 2020. Mm. Like, we in the comic, (laughs) the beginning of the apocalypse was in 2020, which Uh I think is fucking hilarious because we started writing it in, like, 2015. Yeah. And then 2020 became 2020. And so, like, there's this, you have this element of the post-apocalyptic wasteland, and you have the, the element of, of 2020, and, and you have the element of the, the Portland Strip Club and all this stuff in it. And then you add in the fact that the animator that's working on it also happens to live in yeah, Portland yeah. during this crazy time. And it just, I don't know. I mean, well, there's that saying... Everything happens for a reason you make up afterwards. Yeah. But it really mm-hmm. does feel like this. we're doing this for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yep. we're creating something that is kind of silly and goofy and cheeky out of love for and this, when we bring this place that is going through a hard time right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it's become for me as well. Um, it's just... I, I don't know. It's so fun. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's just, yeah, like you were saying, there's so many aspects about it where it's, you know, set in this post-apocalyptic wasteland. Uh, and it's 2020 has felt like that for a lot of people. Um, I'm over it. You know, it's it's been very lonely for a lot of people. Uh, and for, for this music video to just, you know, be about a show, about a gathering of, you know, people having a good time, basically. And it's right. just goofy and and dumb is, I don't know, is great. And I'm excited for it to be, you know, like I was telling you, the, like the book end, you know, on 2020, you know, like we're, you know, release this during Christmas. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's very like, it, it's, a, I don't know. It's just oddly, you know, a pertinent Ser- time for it to be existing. Yeah. Yeah. It is oddly serendipitous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, um, How's it going, by the way? How's the uh, how's the the video going? It's going good, it. man. I work on art like ten to twelve hours a day. Uh, I'm on unemployment. I probably, you know, realistically stay up for two days and sleep for twenty hours, and then stay up for two days and sleep twenty hours, and that's been my schedule. You're a mentally uh, ill person, huh? You're a mentally ill person. That's true. <laughs> I am. Uh, I survive in the night. Uh, a night driver. I, yeah, I'm a night driver, man. Uh, but yeah, it's been really good. I, like I said, yeah, fucking art all the time, uh, which is, this is the first time in my life that I've had enough time to dedicate towards art, and uh, it's great. I don't know. I don't know why I haven't done unemployment before. Uh, well... I don't think unemployment quite paid out as much as it has been. It's a different no. time for unemployment. No. <laughs> Dude, I wish I was on uh, unemployment. 
It, so it also, I, I need to note that my significant other is working full time, and that's the only way that I'm surviving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I if so. I could stay home and still provide for my wife and child, I definitely would because what I have, what I have been enjoying about this, and you know, you got to find your moments of enjoyment yeah, where you that's can. Important. You still got to fucking find happiness wherever you yeah. can get it at this point. And where where I've been finding it is I mean, first of all with my family and spending time with my son and whatnot, but um you know, I can't play shows with my band. I can't even make plans with my band yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. You know. Um and so I have been playing guitar every single day mm-hmm. and kind of going, all right, how far can I take this? Before we're allowed to do shows the old-fashioned way again. Yeah, yeah. You know. And is MF... Or I, have you guys considered doing, like, streaming shows and stuff like that? I've been trying to get a hold of local bands here and just, like, kind of help promote those shows and try to get, the you know, kind of the music scene going in that way. Um, right. And there's been a lot of... You know, a lot of bands doing that, a lot of artists doing that. There's a lot of solo, you know, singer songwriters that are doing that because it's, you know, kind of an easy platform for them, Um, you know, set up their phone and then live stream a show. Uh, But, yeah, there's been a lot of bands doing live streaming stuff. I've experimented with a little bit of it. I've experimented with a little bit of it. Um, The main thing is that Tony lives in Chicago. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, Tony lives in Chicago, and he's he's going to have a baby any day now. Oh, okay. well, well, his wife awesome. Laura is going he's to have a baby any day. Be, he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's going to go in the forest and manifest. <laughs> Feel how soft my hands are. Um, <laughs> no, I mean he's uh, he's got a baby coming any day now. Okay. So I mean, so that's just not even on the table for us. Ropes. Like right. doing doing live streams, doing. Doing anything, doing socially distanced shows, that's not even on the table for us. Mm-hmm. I think Tony has done one or two socially distanced shows with his brother out there. Okay. Um, because Tony's family band, um, the Blind Staggers, who are amazing. Shout out to the Blind Staggers. They're very good. You should check them out. Um, they're awesome. But they're, um, you know, they're not even able to do anything because uh, Laura, Tony's wife, who is also their lead singer, uh, she got covid Oh, and shit, has it, had has had health problems as a result of that. Mm. You know, also the health problems that come with being pregnant. Yeah. And then... Was she pregnant and had coronavirus at the same yeah. time? Yeah. Oh, that's fucked up. I Isn't that, that fucked Jesus up? Jesus Christ, she all right? Yeah, that's Yeah, yeah, lot. I mean, she's okay. I mean, there's... You know, I don't want to talk out of school too much, but, you know, she... You know, she she's recovered from it and, um, you know, has... But but the baby's fine and coming any day now. Okay, that's good And, and that, they're Laura, super, they're super excited about it. <laughs> and, but, um, you know, but to answer your question, it just... It hasn't even been an option for us. Not yeah. only that... Um, and I've, I've talked about this on the show a few times. I don't really have any interest. So like Gordo, who is uh, normally our producer on the show and, and my co-host, his band Granny Tweed has actually done something like four or five of the socially distanced shows. And the way he's described them to me, I might be interested if Tony lived here. But mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm. I'm just at this point not really interested in doing the shows with 
the masks and the tables mm-hmm. and the only 80 people allowed, you know, in a 750 capacity venue. And, you know, I saw a post from the Oriental Theater today that said that even doing that is is not profitable in yeah. the slightest. Yeah. You know, they're th- like, yeah, no, people are definitely just holding on to it as a as a means to, you know, continue their projects and continue yeah. the venues yeah, and yeah, try to do sure. that. I mean, Dante's they're live streaming all of their, you know, their Sunday session stuff. Um, and it's like they're allowing I think it's like 25 to 30 people to, you know, actually go there and then they're live streaming the rest of it. Um, Fat Mike from No Effects I, did a live stream from his backyard, um, I want to say, yeah. and there was something like fifty people there hanging out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if it was necessarily a live stream, but he did like a he did a video where like a no, video. yeah, like it was like a live concert, mm-hmm. but it was it was like fifty people in Fat Mike's backyard. Sure, you know, and and I think that's cool. And there's a part of me that like so you remember when we were trimming weed and the pandemic first started, yeah. and you told me I had to go to the grocery store just to have the experience of the zeitgeist. Uh-huh. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, because I hadn't been to the grocery store yet, and you were like, oh, dude, you got to check it out. It's, a, it's, it's like, a, yeah, it's a new yeah. world out there. Yeah, it's yeah. part of 2020. It's yeah. like, you got to... Yeah, yeah, or, like, like, driving on the highway. Like, right when COVID hit, just, like, just driving around, and it's just, like, there's nobody. Dude, the highways like, are the scariest thing of all. People just I don't know. I, I am sorry to go off on a tangent, but that's the nature of this show. <laughs> um... I don't know if you guys have this in Portland, but with the decrease in law enforcement presence, there has been an increase in petty crime. And among those petty crimes is people um, uh, people uh, thumbing their nose at traffic laws. Yeah, yeah. And... Late, I drive home from work every Saturday and Sunday night at 11 o'clock midnight, and there are fucking little race car boys mm-hmm. in their fucking fast little toy cars just ripping down the highway, yeah. zipping in and out of traffic. Yeah. And I sound like such a fucking old man <laughs> saying this, but it's like... I find myself going, God damn it, where's a fucking cop when you need one? (laughs) Like, these guys are, like, endangering lives, man. No, absolutely, yeah. It's not cool. Shit is wild, yeah. Has that been happening in Portland? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's fucking crazy. I think also people are just driving crazier just in general. Like it's not even It's not even that stereotype of a person. Like, I feel like people are just, like... I think people are just fucking preoccupied or just, like, tripped out and fucking, like... I don't know. I don't know why what fucking people are driving weird as fuck, but they are. That's definitely true. Well, I mean, I think I think a lot of it is, you know, under duress, mm-hmm. we regress. Look at that. You know what Pop I mean? That on a t-shirt. I think I have that t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that, it's a headband. I, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually building that into my PowerPoint presentation for my. For the this this corporate training I'm going to be doing, I've got a book coming out. <laughs> When under duress, we regress. Remember that. It's very important to remember. We uh-huh. regress under <laughs> duress. That's right. I, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I think that's a big part of it. Is mm. is just like when we're in these type of situations, um, you know, uh, these less evolved part of ourselves come out. Yeah, it's like I see. 
You know, one of my jobs is to deal with the, the Yelp and the Google reviews at mm-hmm. work. Yeah. And I can tell when someone is complaining about something petty just because they want to get some anger out of their body. Yeah. Because almost every time I respond to them and go, hey, I wanted to follow up on this. I understand it. You know, we fell short in some way. How can I make it right? They're almost always unbelievably gracious and polite. Sure. But they think it's just, they think they're just sending vitriol out into space. No, that's fucking, that's what, that's what, because also that's like people's, or a lot of people that's like their lifeline, you know, fucking, um, a lot of people aren't getting the normal one-on-one kind of, you know, in-person interaction that you have become accustomed to living life on the planet Earth. And so this impersonalized increase in communication makes people into assholes fucking yeah. like you just see people just like i don't know for example like speaking of everything being so fucking politicized um oh i follow on facebook i follow a, a group called denver fugly it's ugly houses oh denver, yeah right? i know the yeah, guy yeah. who started denver fugly oh, okay well, yeah um anyways a picture of a big black house and it's the caption says this is darth vader if darth vader was a house right <laughs> perfectly innocuous fucking right. thing to put out there in the world and some person ended up responding, just, you know, some guy responded to it with, like, just, like, fuck you. Like, you don't, like, I know the fucking people that live in that house. You're probably <laughs> fucking poor. You're probably a fucking Democrat. That makes you fuck. You're a fucking piece of shit who's on the fucking left. Like, you fucking, I don't know, basically, right, right, like, right. you fucking pussy. And it's like, oh man, that God. was a Did whole... he call him a cuck? <laughs> More or less, actually. He might literally have done that. But, like, it's like, dude. It's a picture of a fucking house. This isn't a fucking political conversation. You don't need to be a yeah. dickhead. It's a joke about a house that looks like Darth Vader. Now, I don't know what the fuck. The, how now, did you like at the same time, uh-huh. I know this page that you were speaking of. Uh-huh. I have known Brad Evans for many years. Uh-huh. I love Brad Evans. I consider him to be a, a friend. Uh-huh. But that is like, that page is just all about throwing shade on people for sure yeah, yeah it's and and i've i have seen it politicized the other way on that page mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. like i've to me it's like okay let's talk about the denver fugly thing just like not <laughs> even just that page let's just talk about the phenomenon of the like the weird modern architecture mm-hmm. that has invaded denver yeah okay in some cases, I'm not a gigantic fan of it. My aunt lives in one of those kind of more modern places. Yeah. My uncle had the the property scraped and built a new house and whatnot. I'm sure my aunt's house has been on Denver Fugly. Sure. At the same time, the classic houses that were like the classic Victorians that we're bemoaning being torn down mm-hmm. were once... The height of modern architecture. Oh, yeah. You know, they were once the new thing. And, you know, things get old and and so we attribute this, like, nostalgia to them and this prestige to them. Mm-hmm. And, and I personally feel like the amount of vitriol for the new wave of modern architecture in Denver is a little silly. <laughs> I think it's a little silly. You know, I mean, I think that... I think like, it's funny, but I think it's a little silly. I think the element of it that is... Um, that it is just, like, such a blatantly visible uh, embodiment of gentrification 
is that's that's the part where I'm like, oh yeah, I fucking get. I'm pissed off at that, you know. But just as like an aesthetic preference, like there are bigger battles. That, you know? Well, and, then, <laughs> and that that's the other thing too is I think that I think that the public is largely underinformed and misinformed about the big picture of gentrification. Sure. So there are many who would suggest that there are trade-offs when it comes to gentrification. Hmm. And there are people who, you know, obviously no one wants to be run out of their home, run out of their neighborhood, but people also don't want to live with drug dealers and and violent I want to live violent with criminals dealers. on their corner. Uh-huh. Like it's like you look at New York in the 70s and 80s before mm-hmm. before Giuliani came in. Yeah. Right? Like, it's often looked back on with, like, these rose-tinted glasses of, like, you know, the Lower East Side used to be gritty, man. Yeah. It yeah. used to be, you know, it used to be gritty. And mm-hmm. then, like, it's like when you drill down and begin to define that grit, it's like... It's like, what do you mean gritty? It's like, oh, I know a person who was stabbed, say, or I know stabbed. a person you know, like who fucking... got robbed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there are like, like within that discussion, like that is a much broader, more complicated thing, and I think it's just become one of those words that is used pejoratively, um, and oftentimes. Uh, inaccurately and unfairly. Now that's sure. just, that's just an observation that I've made. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's, or I shouldn't even say it's an observation that I've made. It's an idea that has come through me or come to me through listening to people who are much much smarter than me uh-huh. and 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 know a lot about it. And and I used to be, you know, kind of one of the same people that's that's sitting there going fucking white people coming in and ruining everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but that's that's not the whole story. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are there there's definitely nuance there that um doesn't get encapsulated in just fucking it is a product of gentrification and that is simply bad. Like I don't know, fucking I don't know. This is a, it's a complex issue. I, don't know, I'm I mean, well, <laughs> most anything important is a complex mm-hmm. issue. That's the thing. Most anything important can't be sloganized. Sure. You know that's, what that's I mean? That's what I say about loganized, myself. though. <laughs> that you can't be sloganized? Do you no. have that t-shirt, too? The I can't be sloganized t-shirt? <laughs> I can't be sloganized. You can't sloganize me. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. And, and I also see that as being part of... Maybe it's just because I'm getting older. Maybe it's because I'm a parent now. I don't know what it is. But I am not as interested in righteous indignation and meanness anymore. Mm. I I am turned off. Like, I love a really, really smart stand-up comedian. Uh But there's this thing, and, and, and all comedy is criticism, which I think is very important. You know, I think it's important for all comedy to be critical and to give I, I and I don't think anyone is off the table when it comes to comedy and I don't think anything is off the table as long as it's funny sure. right but I've I've also seen that there's like this we had um we had Matt Kobos on the show many episodes ago mm-hmm. 
and it was when Garth Brooks was in town, and he w- and I was talking about how I didn't like that so many people were talking shit about the Garth Brooks show uh-huh. and making inaccurate um, attributions to him, and and I I've heard some assistance uh, insistences that like. Like someone I knew made a joke that like referred to the Garth Brooks concert as the KKK rally going on down the street. And okay. It's like, man, that's an awful I thing it, to I say. I thought it was actually like hella inclusive. Didn't he like fucking make a big stink about how he likes gay people? Right, right. Like but then, but then, even after that, there was another article that came out in you know, and we were talking about this article that came out in the Westward about it. Where even that was politicized, mm-hmm. you know, Garth Brooks, who was that the Kyle Harris article yeah, yeah, you're yeah. referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, by all accounts, Garth Brooks is this sweetheart of a guy, and like, yeah, I was kind of mega humanitarian, like being a nice guy. Yeah, he has he has it's a reputation, weird, maybe, you know, and, and yeah, he has, especially within country music, he kind of has this reputation yeah. for just being this like real sweetheart of a guy. You yeah, know? I and, mean, you make something like Chris Gaines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I know, <laughs> I know, but um, but we were talking on the episode, and then Matt Kobos kind of pushed back against me on this, and he made a fair point, mm-hmm. and he said, "But man, isn't talking shit fun?" <laughs> and it's like, and I've thought about that from time to time, that mm-hmm. conversation that we had, and the truth is that yes, talking shit talking is fun. Shit I en- fun. I enjoy. I mean, talking shit. If you are anywhere adjacent to a it's, punk rock person, talking shit is often going to be a fundamental element of either your personality or how you ended up kind of coming up. You I know? think. I think where it gets gross mm-hmm. is at scale. You know, I mean, obviously, I love a good shit talking meme, mm-hmm. man. I love a good meme. I love a good <laughs> joke. I love a good burn. You know, but there's this thing that happens when you put shit talking at scale that some people are really bad at it. And the only thing they have is the fact that they are talking shit, not Mm -hmm. that they're talking shit well. Sure. So they're throwing stones and they're making criticisms. And again, we've got we got a president out of it, you know. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, but it's like it's it's like having. You know, if all comedy is criticism, then all that matters is that it's funny. You know, there's a lot of people who are talking shit, and it's just not funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're just talking shit to well, talk and shit. And they're just not good at it. I mean, yeah. you're, you're just making, you know, you're just saying, you know, if you're good at something, it's way more interesting than if you're bad at something. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, Right. Well, and there's something yeah. about... There's something about talking shit but talking shit about something in such a way that even the subject of your ire could laugh at it mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah, it's the like not punching Absolutely. down thing fucking you know like well even yeah, not- even that the insistence of the I've been thinking about that too the mm-hmm. idea of punching down mm-hmm. like the idea that punching down is a thing assumes that there are people who are subordinate to one another. It's this like postmodern critique sure. of like structures of power. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, if I see you as my equal, then I'm going to punch across. Mm-hmm. But if there's an assist, if there's an insistence that certain that individuals from certain groups, 
you know, and, and you can pick a group out of a hat, whatever group it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever group is popping into your head as we're sitting here talking about it. It could be any group. If you're talking about that group and you make a joke and it's insisted that you're punching down at that group, that implies that you are inherently above them and that there's nothing that can be done about it. And I think that that is no way to run a society. And I think that is no way to look at your fellow man. You know, I don't see as me punching down on anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe if I was on the playground and I punched a kid in the head when he ran by me, you know, that's a little kid. That would be literally a That's literally punching down. Uh But that's okay if you're good at it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're good at punching kids and you can do it. Hey, and there have been a few people on the internet who have, like, put out videos of them, like, beating up kids and it's pretty funny. I punched a child one time. Uh, To to talk about uh, looking at both sides, I can't see Jake at all. Oh. I don't oh. think anybody can. Nobody. Can sees you see him, him now? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, he's peeking in. Yeah. Hey. Well, I can tell yeah. you that everybody watching can see all of us. You oh, just okay. unfortunately have only have the or, uh, micro- or video. Oh, yeah, camera. there's like whatever the microphone is for visuals. <laughs> whatever the microphone is for visuals, <laughs> the cameras. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, we have cameras set up in here in the studio, and oh, okay, cool. you're just, unfortunately... It's just, it's, so you're saying it's not all about me. Yeah, yeah. So all can right. you see us now? I can see you both now. Okay. Great. So, I mean, I've been I've been thinking about the punching down thing, because I also had uh, Ben Hutcherson from Chemist on here one time, uh-huh. and we got into a discussion about about comedy and about, you know, my criticisms of... of how identity politics kind of sucks the fun out of society and <laughs> keeps us from being able to have conversations as equals. And and I, I do feel like we live in a society that obsesses over I- identity, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, and I, and like I think that it is... what American life is, you know? Well, and I um, think it's... I think it's... I don't... I just think it's unhelpful, you know? I don't care what group you are in. I don't see you as being my subordinate. Sure. I don't see you as being lower than me. I don't see you as being someone that I'm that I am in a position to pick on. You know, I just think you it's know? about being smart, you know? I mean, like fucking being good at something, you know? Like fucking I agree with that perspective obviously. Fucking, you know, like like I was just saying earlier, like in any in any engagement with a person, the idea is fucking we're both people. We're fucking doing people shit, you right. know? Um they're definitely like within stand-up comedy. There are plenty. Like I don't know, fucking looking at some shit from the '80s, Andrew Dice Clay talking about Asian people or something like that. that right? Is, you know, it's just like fucking just off color. Like ultimate. I mean, because an off-color joke is a thing that definitely exists. You know. Right. Um, I don't know. You know, you just like fucking. It's also like with someone like Andrew W. Dick, you know. Well, like with someone like Andrew. I almost said Andrew WK. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine Andrew WK just doing Andrew Dice Clay jokes. Somebody make that happen. So, um, I was just, but like you look at like old Eddie Murphy stand up, mm-hmm. or you look at Red Fox. I mean, Red Fox is pretty blue, you know. Sure. Yeah. You look at um, you look at Andrew Dice Clay and something like that, and it was just a different era of comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was a different time in culture. And the world it, has changed a lot since then. You look at even all the way back to like Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The if we look at those things now, 
first of all, even the things that aren't off color, even the things that aren't controversial now by normal standards, almost none of it is funny because we're looking back at it through the lens of the year 2020 Um, and not at the time. You know, we have the advantage of being able to stand out here in the future and look back at them, Mm -hmm. knowing what we know now that they did not know with something of a of an air of moral superiority mm-hmm. you know what i mean and now we're living in an age where you can look at someone who knows less than you did a day ago with an air of moral superiority sure you yeah. know what i mean uh-huh and it's, it is definitely easy to fucking take things out of context in right. the modern world you know well um, you can you can look at you can look at comedians like dave Chappelle, for example mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle's gotten a lot of shit over recent years yeah. over some of the things that he said. Yeah. And I've seen some thing I've seen some people that I know say things about him that are frankly untrue. Sure. You know, he's been he he's been called every dirty name you can be called by people without a single funny bone in their body. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, it comes down to who's funny? Because I'll tell you what, if you put the most politically correct comedian on the stage next to Dave Chappelle, Mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle is going to smoke them. I mean, he's a fucking genius performer, ultimately, like fucking, I mean. Well, and political commentator. Yeah. Yeah. Or not political, social social commentator is what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, you know, okay, people were mad about that fucking trans joke that he made in that in that special, what, like two years ago or something like that? Well, and like la- some people are mad about it, the people who are mad enough to write letters and post on Twitter about mm-hmm. it, but there's a ton of people who, from, uh, from a variety of different communities, that are not offended by it. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that find it funny, but th- nobody is retweeting their Twitter feed. Well, I mean, it's, again, fucking negativity sells. You right. Know. Um, it trends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I remember watching that and being like, yeah, I don't really like that. Fucking, I didn't think it was a particularly funny joke. And I was like, it's yeah, kind of in yeah. shitty, in poor taste, that fucking, that joke. That doesn't mean that I'm, like, fucking, I'm not canceling fucking Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is, again, the guy's a fucking genius. Like, um, right. But, I mean, I think it's, uh, I don't know. It's important to... You know, be critical and distinguishing with what you do and you do not like about an artist and what, how that how that affects you as a person, how that kind of shapes your fucking worldview to a certain mm-hmm. extent, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible to occupy both the, like, that was not a joke that I fucking enjoyed. I think that was a shitty thing for him to have said with fucking Dave Chappelle, the genius performer. Like, those two things can kind of exist in the same fucking headspace, and, ultimately. And you that's know? the thing. I think that people don't, Fucking, you don't need to be so polarized. You can have, you know, conflicting thoughts or like, you know, you can, uh, things aren't so black and white. You don't have to be so a part of one team and believe everything that that team believes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's ultimately what we're talking about and what we're right. boiling down is like, you know, don't be overly sensitive and, you know, like have your own thoughts about things and explore like actually how you personally feel about them. And, you know, oh, and also have a heart system, you know, yeah, like, and definitely. also have a heart. Definitely. Yeah. And just, it, yeah. Care about people, you know, and beat up little kids. Like, 
okay, for real. Hold on. I, just to clarify. So when I mentioned that I punched a child one time. All right. This, welcome back to the canceling of Jake Fairley. Today we're going to talk about the time that Jake Fairley okay, punched a child. Here's what happened. I was also a child. Well, I was like probably 13 or 14. And this kid was like, it's like a little kid. He was like six or seven years old. I was in the wave pool at fucking Waterworld and this little shit. I first of all was just like trying desperately not to drown. So I'm already like fucking getting action parked out here over here. So that's little kid by like five years. Say what? That that reduces you by five years. So it's like a closer age. That I was dying in a wave pool. Yeah, okay. Anyway, when we're under duress, (laughs) we regress. Yes, I murdered that child, but I was drowning, so we were basically the same. No, this little kid kept swimming up to me and trying to pull my pants down, like to be a dickhead to me. He was just like fucking with me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Mm. he did it like a a lot of fucking time. Like, I don't know, 15 times or something like that. And I kept just being like, hey, stop doing this. Hey, stop doing this. Hey, stop doing this. Hey, stop doing this. And finally, I just told him, I was like, dude, if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to fucking punch you in the fucking head, you know? And uh, I got (laughs) out of the pool. This is just not what I should be saying out loud right now. I I was just about to get out of the pool. I was like standing like probably knee high in the water. And I fucking feel this tug at my back of my shorts and I turn around and he's just grinning. He's looking up and grinning at me like, you know, ha ha ha, what are you going to fucking do? I'm a kid. And I punched him in the fucking top of the head. And that I was, think that's excusable. You know, no, yeah, I told him, I was like, dude, if you don't stop trying to pull my pants down, I'm going to fucking punch you. I also think that that kids get away with a lot because there are laws to protect them. Uh-huh. But, okay. <laughs> And I don't think those last. I mean, he's fine. Exist. He survived. The last, the last thing that I saw him do. I mean, I, I was, you know, it's funny. I like. And I, I don't think those laws should exist. <laughs> anyway, I fucking, I hit him like. If you're watching this video, I like hit him like that with my hand. Dude, okay. And then I immediately realized, I was like, oh shit, I probably should have done that. And I just like, I'm booking it. And I like turn around. The last thing I look is he's just like laying down, just like screaming. And I was like, I, I was all bad. I should not have done that. <laughs> And now I probably shouldn't have said. Well, that he was he was probably also hamming it up because he knew that he could. Kids are pretty resilient, yeah. man. I mean, I'm sure he was fine. I didn't like hit him really hard or anything. I was just trying to get him to stop he pulling my go, fucking like, pants down. Into the pool I or didn't. Anything. He's That's alive. Crazy. That kid is well. Assuming that, hey, yeah. man, this was about, you know what? This was a long time. If you're a bastard, if you're a listener out there, uh, please uh, contact uh, write us at MF Ruckus. Podcast. Yeah, and hey, join us on Patreon. <laughs> Solid, nice plug. <laughs> Thanks, man. You know what? I, my, that kid might have. That was probably a valuable lesson that that child. Dude, if you're day. a bastard, it's just a matter. If you hadn't done it, somebody else would. Sure, it's just a matter of time. That kid would have gotten older and gotten to be 13 years old and would have messed with the wrong guy and gotten his teeth knocked out. You know, mm-hmm. maybe. He wasn't such a bastard after so that. So punching the child actually made so, that child's life better. So we That's go what I'm arguing. We go <laughs> we go to this playground by my house and I live I live in a very um I live in a very cool area of town. I really like where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, because live? I I live on the border of Denver and Aurora. Mm-hmm. So it's very culturally diverse and uh-huh. there's all kinds of different people from all different economic backgrounds and all different nationalities and ethnicities and and it's really fascinating to to be in it's like i couldn't i couldn't live in a better part of town uh-huh. like I, I really do love it and um but uh one of the things that and that one of the downsides of i don't know one of, one of the downsides of where I live is that the playground that we go to 
is a mix of a lot of real, real little kids and then fucking teenagers, mm-hmm. man. Like there are – because there's a lot of families where we're at. I guess is the point that mm-hmm. I was making is there's a lot of families, mm-hmm. you know, from all over. Lots and lots of families. Lots of people – it's kind of the new burbs right now. Sure. You know? And um, and so if I take my son at the wrong time of day, there's a lot of little bastards with nothing to do but take up the park. And there was this little bastard <laughs> at the playground. Just look in your eye right there. And he's he a had, very well, little he's, bastard. He's got boy. his toys scattered all over. And he's, you know, he's like kind of bullying other kids. Mm. And he's like... Like blocking up the slide, like we're trying to go down the slide, and he's sitting on it. And Sarah goes, "Hey, why don't you get out of the way so some other people can go down the slide?" And he's just like, "They can go around." Like he's one of these like little he's a, snotty. He's a, he's a little dickhead. Yeah, he's yeah, a little dickhead. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's a little dickhead. And he had a basketball. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the basketball was laying in the middle of the ground, and Ransom went over. My little, cute, 18-month-old son just walks over. He's curious about the ball. He goes, ball! And he picks it up, and he's looking at it. And this kid, who is probably 11 years old, walks over to him. And Sarah and I are watching this happen, and we kind of have this rule that we don't don't really intervene. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we want him to learn to solve his own problems. Like, if someone was hurting him, absolutely. Of course, yeah. yeah. But, like, Mm -hmm. if he gets into a tussle with another little kid, you know, we just, you know, we we won't let them hurt each other, but we're not going to pull him away and shame him and yell at him and be like, sharing is caring and all that shit. Like, we're not going to do that. He's 18 months old. He's a little human figuring his his shit out. He's ready to take a trip to Vegas, dude. Yeah. He's ready to rich. He needs to to do his own (laughs) conflict resolution, you know, as early on as possible. Yeah. So we watch this kid, like, Ransom picks up the basketball, and we're kind of used to... When kids just drop stuff on the playground, other kids pick them up. Kids play with Ransom's toys. He plays with other kids' toys. This kid goes up to our 18-month-old son, rips the basketball out of his hand, Mm -hmm. and then flexes on him. Like, what are you going to beat, beat up a baby? What is dude, this, the wave pool? And it goes like... Yeah, flexing on a little kid? Dude, he like, he like, he does like the fake like... Yeah, yeah, like, oh, weird flex, bro. And he goes, he goes, it's mine! To this fucking 18-year-old. And Sarah and I are like, hey, this man. This kid's going to be an asshole as an adult. Too. Yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But then like, so we're sitting and we're... You know, we're watching that go down, and Sarah and I are talking to him, and I'm starting to get dad rage, yeah, and yeah. Sarah's starting to get mama bear rage, you know? kind of rage. And we're like, I fucking hate this little kid. What the <laughs> fuck is this little bastard's problem? Blah, blah, blah. Then a little time goes by, and I realize that he is the oldest of, like, five kids, mm-hmm. and, you in know... his family or at the park? No, he's the oldest of five kids in his family, okay, and all yeah. the kids are there together at the family, um, and I'm sure that he is having to deal with the fact that he's constantly having to share everything with the kids in his household. I'm sure that his parents treat him differently than they treat the other kids, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're younger and he's older and he's probably a fucking asswipe at school and people probably treat him like an asswipe at school. Mm -hmm. So, 
the idea of bullying an 18-month-old doesn't seem like a big deal to him because, you know, the world's dealt him a shit sandwich. Why shouldn't everybody else get a bite sure. of it, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, know. you know, that's the empathy that we were talking about. Way to put da- way to prioritize empathy over dad rage because... Well, I'm saying, you know. <laughs> I'm saying, I was like, able no, to I do that. I punched him, but... <laughs> <laughs> so then I walked over and punched him in front of his parents. I, just, I punted later. a child. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, if you don't get your fucking kids under control, I'm going to punch all of them like I just punched that little <laughs> fucking bastard. No, I didn't punch See him. that little kid that's laid out over there? <laughs> yeah. See that? That's yours. That's what I got <laughs> Four kids left now. <laughs> We lost You're one the at the park, kid. honey. <laughs> no, but but yeah. that kid is going to eventually run into someone who is not going to be so empathetic mm-hmm. and right. is going to punch him in the fucking head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I certainly have experienced some pushback from the world. Some of it deserved, some of it not. Mm-hmm. But... It, I mean, that's part of what these goddamn kids need today. (laughs) You know, is no one's punching them in the head anymore. And they just think they can go on their Snapchats and their Instagrams (laughs) and their hickory dickory docs and say whatever the hell they want. The saying, you know, like if a kid is going to touch the flame, you just like watch him burn. Yeah. Is that in Game of Thrones? <laughs> is that a Game of Thrones? Or... Well, what I'm saying is, we live in a time that even me calling a little kid a bastard mm-hmm. it would probably be considered a, ma- a microaggression. Actually, that would probably be considered a macroaggression. <laughs> I think probably if that's I. A, that's just aggression. I think yeah, probably that, that... if I rolled my eyes at him, that would be considered a microaggression. Or if I turned to my wife and said, or some people's children. That would probably be a microaggression yeah, by today's standards. Depending on how it was shot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day, Macy, totally unrelated. When I was living in California, I was talking to you on the phone, and mm-hmm. you said to me that you had watched the movie Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves, right? Uh-huh. And you phrased it as, man, if you can get your hands on a copy of that, you should check that out. Like, it was difficult to be able to... Like it was a particularly movie. rare film. Like it was like, yeah, dude, if you can find it, if you have an opportunity to get your hands on that thing, dude, it's like trying really to get a copy of the best of the state. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that almost every day. It's one of the funnier things I think I've heard you say. <laughs> if you can get your hands on that movie, <laughs> it's a very rare film. Do you remember? I was listening to we. I did a Towns last night with Tom. Oh, Macy, Macy and I used to. We used to get drunk in my apartment. Turn all the lights off. And just put our faces next to the stereo and listen to Towns Van Zant for like a long time. For a just long get time, like emotional. maybe four to five hours, and with tear factories like in between. Have drug, you guys drugs seen? Drugs and alcohol are fucking fun, sometimes. dude. I, yeah. I, I love Towns. <laughs> Have you guys <laughs> seen the um, the Blaze Foley biopic? No, yet? I really. Uh, I heard it was good. I, I want yeah. to see it. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I think. Um, it's a biopic. It's not a documentary. No, I thought it was a documentary, okay. but it's, uh-huh. it's it's a biopic and. Um, I mean, I had mixed feelings on it. I, I'm a big Blaze fan, and I think they they portrayed him as this in this very art house lens, mm-hmm. and um, I think it kind of left out what a real kind of 
redneck drunken maniac was he was. Say, he's definitely pretty fucking rough around the edges. Yeah, he was know? he was super rough around the edges. And yeah. I mean they they definitely portrayed the character as being, you know, you know, off off his hinges, you know, off the hinges a little bit or unhinged a little mm-hmm. bit. That's the word I was looking for. But I don't know, it just it didn't it didn't I mean we all I mean we every time there's a biopic people are going to debate about the the authenticity sure. of the portrayal yeah, yeah. of the character mm-hmm. and whatnot. But um the whole thing is presented as being told by Towns Van Zant in uh, an interview. Interesting. Um, like Towns Van Zant and um, Z, the uh, the guy who's the harmonica player for Blaze Foley uh-huh. and it, like his best friend, um, are like doing a radio interview because this guy has now gone on and become. Towns is a harmonica player and they were all really good friends and there's a yeah, lot of yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stories about Towns and Blaze getting into stuff but mm-hmm. the guy who played Towns Van Zant was really good. Okay, I was actually like, you know who who or who is it? I can't remember the actor's uh-huh. name, okay. but but he was really good and it it really got me on this like you know, that sad bastard alt country stuff of that era mm-hmm. is just like I don't know, is that like 70s and 80s yeah. like yeah. Like kind of, and there's this line in it. It's like, it's like Towns. Why are your songs so sad? He's like, I don't know if they're sad, hopeless maybe, but I don't know if I would call them sad. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, hopeless is definitely the word yeah, you could use to describe yeah, most. It. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I was a little late to the Towns Van Zant game. Yeah, like I feel like. You have to, like, I mean, I have definitely had sadness in my life, but I feel like you definitely have to, like, experience some real, like... You have to You have to have been around the block a few times. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a, like, when I first came across Towns when I was younger, I was like, this kind of whiny, yodely stuff. Like, I always loved John Prine. Like, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've always loved John Prine. Uh-huh. But, um... But there was something just like Towns never spoke to me like I didn't get it. And now that I'm older, like Towns Van Zant definitely speaks to me a um, lot more. I remember when I first got into him, I was, I don't know, 20 or something. I was in college. Um, you know, I was like really interested in blues and fucking just sad music shit, right? Fucking country and fucking folk, yada, yada. But like I was actively pursuing like what's the saddest fucking music I could possibly listen to. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> and I remember finding Towns Van Zandt being like, oh, dude, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Like, I brought, it up, oh, I brought it. it up with a good friend of mine from college. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I've known about Towns Van Zandt for years. I'm like, what the fuck? Why would you not? You knew about this this whole time? You knew I was looking for the sad shit, dude. Why didn't you fucking tell me this was out of here? I could have had like three more years of this already. Like, right, right. Uh, but yes, I love Towns Van Zandt very much. So... So I don't know a tremendous amount about your shared history, like your friendship. Like, Macy, how long have you you two known each other? We actually, uh, I mean, because we we home dog down on a Jan one, dude. That's that's like our. When, that was what, our what year was that Jan one? I think that was twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. I want to say, yeah. yeah. On January first, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, Home there, dog, there's, there's home either, dog, hard on the jam one. We what? we have a fake holiday called Jan One that is not New Year's Day, where you just get drunk all day. You know, oh. <laughs> that's what a, a Jan One means. You get hammered all day long on uh, New Year's Day. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Evan got fired from his job that day. He was working at a, uh, he's working at K or what was that fucking Proto's Pizza? 
Yeah. We played Settlers of Catan and we got very drunk. But uh, yeah, do you remember that when how Evan got fired that day? He was just really, really drunk, and he probably oh. shouldn't have gone to work. And I remember I was driving with NBG. Kelly. NBG. Yeah. And he kept, NBG. NBG. He kept, he kept trying to say NBD, no big deal, but just kept oh. saying. He, we, were on the, we, were, we were driving in the car on the way to his job, and he's just like in the back seat, intermittently going to sleep, and then waking up and going, woo, woo. It's like, work is NBG, baby. Work is NBG. Woo. And then he would just be asleep. And then he was the same thing. And then I remember fucking watching him walk into the fucking walk into the restaurant and like I already know, like, we're not even gonna get home. Like he's that dude is definitely getting fired right now. Like and sure enough, we were like just pulling off the highway back to the house, we get a phone call, like, Yep, gotta go pick up Evan from the fucking Proto's pizza yeah. boy. You know, like yeah. But yeah, fucking Macy and I have been we're we've been tight for a long Seven time. Seven years strong, yeah. So um, strong. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I, I moved to Denver. Did I meet you when I was in uh, freshman in high school? Um, later on. Yeah, but we didn't like. Be- I mean, because when all the fiction is fun shit, we weren't oh, like, really yeah, good friends I- while all that was happening, or while we- I was in that band. Um, yeah, because yeah, I moved to Denver like play- when I was in eighth grade. Okay, didn't yeah. you play some shows with us at one point? I was, in a, I was in a folk band called oh. Fictionist. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Fun. That was a good time. Um, yeah, he was yeah, in a like play violin band. really shittily or something one time? <laughs> Didn't you play violin really I, I recall a really oh, shitty violin I, performance at I fucking... Play, uh, at, uh, at the at, other side. Uh, Monte's other side. The, what's that uh, music venue... Uh, it's got a restaurant in it, and people do like uh, like poetry slams there and stuff. Um, you mean, you oh, the a- Mercury Cafe. Yes. Oh yeah, that's where I okay. played with you guys. Uh-huh. I think, or or it was Cervantes, maybe. Uh, Cervantes, the other, other side. side. That's what that's what I'm remembering. Uh, okay. I think you might have played a couple shitty shows with us. We played a lot of shitty shows. We. <laughs> I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Most I mean, shows I, are shitty. Are shitty, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we had, just were like, to put it this way, I had owned a violin for two and a half months, and uh-huh. they let me play violin with them. That is the kind of band that fiction is fun. I mean, we eventually became reasonably good, but the first like two years of that band, it was just like some fucking snotty punk rock teenagers and me and Fred, I guess, and Caleb, who didn't know how the fuck to play folk instruments at all. But like, you know folk punk was like some hip ass shit at that point and uh connor Dude, tried I thought, his best you so, know? so were you guys part of that wave of like when all the crusty train hopping ass flap kids became yes. yeah. folk musicians yep yeah yeah like and i you know what i will say in my defense i never really i've never been all that fond of devil makes three i don't like hate them but especially after having played in that band for as long as i do i don't ever want to hear that kind of music again but uh I just drank my way into that band. Like, I just like, lots had a of lot of friends that were in that in the band, and they said, "Hey, you want to play guitar?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't have a band at the time." And I was like, "Yes, do you guys play shows?" Like, "Yeah, I want to do that for sure." Lots of kids with overalls and face tattoos and yep. banjos yep. and and scratchy voices yeah. singing about trains. Yeah, yeah, and like we Tom were definitely like finger there. like knuckle tattoos and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I always wanted to make and like knuckle tattoos. Like glorifying like life ending alcoholism. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, man. That was a thing. I've seen a lot of people <laughs> I dude, I, I saw a Hard Times article today that just like God, the Hard Times just nails they it. They can be so very, hard. very funny. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, what did it say? It said 
40-year-old man's entire identity based around what ought to have been a a brief two-year stint in his 20s or, or in high school or something like that. <laughs> it was something like, like you see these, these, like some people, they just get stuck in a phase. Like they just really commit to the phase. You know what they mean? Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And they like, they go through a period of time where it's just like, like romanticizing and glorifying like the self-destructive, lonesome cowboy archetype. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely was guilty of it. Like, Oh, I have been that. In my early 20s, I was an idiot, right. for sure. I'm an idiot now, but, Like, you know. the, 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 the sad, like, the sad, lonely pirate cowboy poet. You know what I with, mean? With some Bukowski in there. You yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it, and it's an interesting character because it's like, like, I mean, life's, life's pretty hard. It's not my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's my favorite out of the two things, Uh, being alive and being not alive. I don't know. We'll find out sometime. Um, being yeah, yeah. Somewhere well, in the middle. Or I'll try the option out. You know? Or you won't. Or I won't. Who knows? Like I, uh, a friend who shall not be named and I were having a conversation once, and he was talking about like, like how he's going to find the truth when he dies, and blah blah blah. I'm like, or or. You might not. <laughs> it's like, you might not be a... No, I know I will. I'm just like, but how do you know? Mm. I mean, I'm just throwing questions out there. How do you know? I was like, do you remember being born? <laughs> do you remember being in the womb? Do you remember coming into existence? Okay, if you don't remember coming into existence, doesn't it stand to reason that you would not remember going out of existence either? That, like, to me, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... That's a scary thing to think about, especially the fact that our brain is not even able to, like, conceive of such a thing. Yeah. Of yeah. just, like, non-existence. Yeah, the thing that's, like, not right. scary about it is just, like, oh, no, I have, no, there's nothing to worry about, you know? Yeah, it's like, like I mean, it, it won't even be... terrifying that there will be nothing, but, like, ultimately... Even uh, trying to imagine nothing is, yeah. like, you can't imagine nothing. Mm-hmm. When you try to imagine nothing, you imagine, like... A black screen, Something. right? Yeah, yeah. You, ima- literally that. I'm you sure imagine nothingness and kind of sitting there and observing nothingness. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, nothingness is like you would observe nothing. Yeah. So, nothingness yeah, is this, still a thing. For the time being. Up, <laughs> to bring up being drunk in my 20s, this reminds me of all my, like, existential drunk. Oh, Macy. Okay, when Macy. So, before you and I became real close friends. You were one of the most annoying people I had ever known. Fucking just like this dude that won't shut the fuck up about Sart mm-hmm. while I'm like trying to finger bang somebody or something like that. <laughs> You're fucking well, wasted falling into a fucking pool. <laughs> tell me like, tell me about that. What's up with that? With, What's like, up with that? About, about your, really, your really Sart phase. Existentialism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were really I... into it. Yeah, so I went through a super bad depression for a good two and a half years Don't in high school. Don't blame it on that. Um, Dude, crippling, on that. like horrible. Uh, and yeah, existentialism was the, the thing that got me out of it. I mean, you know, it was just like the thing that was like, oh shit, cool, I don't have to give a fuck, you know? Like, right. oh, you know, whatever, be sad, it's all good. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> we also either way. <laughs> we also want to... We also want to show the world who we are, and we want to f- like we want to figure out who we are, who we are, and then we want to figure out a way to present that to the world. And so we create these these avatars, and we get interested in the like, we, like we become attracted to these 
philosophies or we become attracted to these modes of personality and 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 things like that and um without really considering the usefulness and utility of it like when someone adopts the mode of personality of the sad lonesome cowboy poet pirate yeah archetype pirate and i'm saying that and you guys know exactly I what know i'm talking exactly about exactly what you're talking about you know exactly yeah. the type of person i'm talking about yes, like yeah. like like Getting little runes or mm-hmm. you know railroad shorthands or just like like a like little lucky charms shapes on your face yep. and yep. and just like drinking Lysol and like overalls playing yeah overalls yeah. and playing a violin badly like that all comes from Being an able idea. Able to play a singing saw, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Like <laughs> Which is uh, cool. I'm not trying to shit. You know, like a sing saw in a very similar way. Like I, you know. Macy, I, you know, I got really into philosophy when I was younger, and I mean, I'm still into philosophy now, but got really into like, you know, alternative film and kind of subversive film and things like that. Like, I became this huge fan of Terry Gilliam. Like when mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. when I saw Brazil, it like blew my mind. I love Terry like, yeah, Opened yeah. my eyes. Did you, did you watch the fucking uh, Manicure Don Quixote? Is that what it's called? Oh no! You're thinking of um. No, it's Terry Gilliam. You're thinking of uh, uh, Baron Munchausen. No, I love that movie. Um, it's the it's his most recent one. It's the remember. Oh La- no, I haven't Lost seen it. In La Mancha. Did you ever watch that? Uh-uh. Uh uh. He tried to make the movie is called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Um, he tried to make it in like I want to say 2000 something like that, late 90s, early 2000s. Um. And there was a documentary film crew that was intended that they were intending to, you know, just document the making of the movie. But it was like their fuck the production got flooded and all their equipment got fucking broken. And like the the guy was playing Don Quixote ended up getting canceled. Basically, it's like a master class in how to fucking make your or ruin the production of your film. Right. And he didn't end up making the movie until he did. It's not good. It's, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Should have just left it unmade. <laughs> no. <laughs> Plus, I feel like he's gonna die now. Yeah. And he also said all the shitty things about fucking African styles or something like that. Oh, like, Terry yeah. Gilliam, don't fuck this up for us at the end. All right. Like, <laughs> stop saying stupid shit. I like your fucking movies. Just if you're gonna die, just do that or shut the fuck up. You know. <laughs> uh, hey guys. I'm I'm really sad to have to do this, but we're coming up on two hours, and um, two I gotta go. Hours? Yeah, we've been going for two hours, man. It's a time. It's, it's a time war. Yeah. When you actually come, dude. I did an episode. The last episode we did with Alan Brooks. Alan. I want to say it was like a three-hour episode. That sounds about right. Yeah. And we did. Uh, I did. I did four hours with um, uh, Justin LaSalle from Max Lasher. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. time I had him on the show. Uh-huh. You know, it's a time vortex. We go. We go crazy yeah, long yeah. on these. You know, um, but I'd love to do it again. And Macy, when yeah. you come to town, I would really love to um, actually have you in the room. I'm sorry the trip didn't work out this time. Yeah, man. I it's okay, man. I, I got smoked so out. Long. The fires. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mostly wanted to get you on because this is a great opportunity for me to catch up with people I've been thinking about. And like I said, all my friends in Portland, like, I fucking ache for you guys. And now has been a more important time than ever to connect and yeah. and you know, also uh, we were talking earlier about uh, being alive versus the not existing thing, and preferring one of the two. And 
that seems like a perfect time to segue into. I really wish that Groovy Newville was oh, um, existed was still. Yeah. Um, I was very sad to get that news. Um, I hate finding out that people that you're friends with died on Facebook. Right. It's just not a fucking fun Right. Like, oh, you know, picture Groovy said, what? Is yeah. he dead? What the fuck? You yeah, know, like, Bobby yeah. Lee Black tried to call me at work to tell me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I, had, I was supposed to have Groovy on the show. Oh, yeah. And he told me, uh, you know, this was month, a few months ago. Um, this was probably at the beginning of the summer. You know, he told me that he really wasn't in any shape to do a podcast. Oh. He said he was having a hard time, oh, okay. you know, and I don't know anything as to the 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 cause of his death. Yeah, I don't either, actually. But I can say that I think that what everyone is going through right now is probably toughening us up a bit, but also definitely shortening our lives, you yeah. know? Yeah. If it's not the stress or... Or the the toxins and the smoke from the fires or, you know, any of the number of things you can name. I just, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously life expectancy has gotten greater, but it is, you know, it's definitely taken a toll on the old ticker. And I yeah. I think um, I think the world put a hurting on him um, yeah. this year. And uh, and I had I had two kind of thoughts in a row, which is immediately when I found that out. I felt this like profound sadness. Because I really, I really did adore. I really fucking Groovy. love that guy. I mean, it's it's just so fucking sad, dude. But yeah, yeah. And the second thought was, fu- we're fucked. Yeah, because yeah. Groovy was the publicist for the underdog. Yeah, and he represented people that no one else would represent. Mm-hmm. And uh, he helped me so fucking much. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He helped. He in helped com- us in comics and in music. Yeah. Like, yeah. He helped us. He helped uh, Bobby Lee Black get the movie made. He helped so much with Dink and mm-hmm. and like I I found out just all these people that like he had worked with and helped out. And I was just like, man, we just lost not only a great human being but one of the greatest assets oh, we had yeah, as independents. Like, yeah, that's like a fucking that's a massive fucking blow to independent artists in, living in Denver. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it was. It, I mean, it's like. It's like if you opened a restaurant and like one of your head chefs left. Yeah. yeah. It's like there I mean it's like there go like we we almost have to rebrand and restructure. No, 100% you know? cuz I had like a ton of plans with him for the end of this year. So and, did we. You know. Yeah. So yeah. did we. Um so I want to just take a moment to give a shout out to our friend and uh publicist to the non-stars um, Groovy Newville. Yeah. We miss you, buddy. We loved you very much. Yeah. Um, I also want to take a moment to give a shout out. Let me get on. Is this the camera that I want? Or is it the I other camera? It's, it's that one. I want this camera. <laughs> I want this camera. I would like to bring to the audience's attention. God, <laughs> Something that sucks. is not in the light. This sucks. All right, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me. Um, this is the new album by our friend uh, Jason Gordon, a.k.a. Gordo, a.k.a. Gordon Leadfoot. The album is called The Burning Embers of Reason. It's his uh, Gordon Leadfoot solo album. And um, this album is brilliant. And I listened to it on my way in today. And um, 
Man, it is really just a fantastic record, and I'm not saying that because it's my friend. I listened to it, and I was actually deeply disturbed by the fact that he is such a brilliant songwriter and musician, and yet he still languishes in obscurity with with so many of the brilliantly talented people that are out there in the world. This is a fantastic record. Um, it's currently available for sale on CD at uh, gordophonicrecords.com or uh, gordonleadfoot.com and gordophonicrecords.com and uh, it will be available on streaming services um, coming up here on Halloween. Uh, also, I want to give uh, Macy an opportunity here. Um, if you want, bud, plug uh, some stuff that you're working on. Tell people where All they can right. find you, where they can see your art, and, and yeah, what you're working on. If anybody sees this, um, I am trying to get a part of bands and do live projection mapping and live visuals for bands. That's kind of what they're I'm very cool. Trying to focus on, um, those are on your Twitter, right? Or on your of, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm Instagram M A E S A E dev D E V. Um, and you can follow me like there, find all my art, uh, find all my projection mapping, all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's, any bands you know in the portland area want to work with me that that'd be great i do all my you know all the animations for the projections i make you know um so his projection mapping stuff is really super cool it's very yeah yeah it's cool and we can do all sorts of you know 3d projection mappings and mappings at different levels and stuff like that so it's all been really cool um so yeah yeah i'm also, check out the front lines of Good Times Chapter 2. Uh, which, yeah. uh, and then that music video is going to be so good. It looks the Acropolis Now amazing. music video is going to be so good. I'm very we, excited for it. We've been um, we've been sharing that with our, our patrons, all the clips you've been sending me. Um, and some of them we've been posting to Instagram. Mm-hmm. But, yep. uh, but our patrons have been checking those out. Um, yeah, real quick, let's give a shout-out to our patrons. <laughs> uh, we love you guys. Um, I'm in the process of a big art giveaway away uh where i'm giving away stuff from oh you forgot the art forgot that yeah okay. well, we're, well it's okay they have plenty of art to get them by i've been giving away a bunch of josh finley stuff from the first comic um and a bunch of the original drawings that jay party lord did for us uh, i've just been giving them out to our patrons um because we give them everything and uh we keep very little for ourselves because we just want to give shit to the people who actually give a shit and uh, if you'd like to learn more about what we do, um, support the band, support the podcast, support Macy and Jake and all the creators we work with, go to patreon.com. support me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Support me, please. I hi- yeah. You can hire me to do some illustrations. Or, can I sleep on your couch? Go to <laughs> patreon.com slash mfruckus. And uh, Jake, what are you working on, my man? Um, well... We are just about to finish cutting a record. I'm the singer of a speed metal band called Hail Satan, which if you like speed metal, check it out. It's fun. Um, Yeah, great. We are going to be wrapping up cutting our first full length, actually, um, here within the next, like, two months. Um, Man, that fucking cutting that record, god damn it, like, fucking... I, well, it's the pandemic, so, you know, having a band is a fucking pain in the dick it, to begin with. But, like, oh, man, the, our producer, our friend Ben, is producing the record. He First, he left town. He went to visit his fiance in fucking Boston. That was supposed to be two weeks, then it turned to be eight weeks. And then 
uh, I don't know, COVID-19 shit. Everybody lost their jobs and fucking... We were thinking that we were gonna. It was gonna take us like two months to cut this record, and it still is not done. And this we started it in like fucking the very beginning of June. It was like then. I feel your. Our pain. producer like yeah had yeah, to, had a cluster headache yeah. that caused him to have like a bunch of fucked up seizures, and so that was like a whole another month <laughs> of just like, not being able. To, it's just all like <laughs> never ending. Is like this fucking thing is cursed, but yeah, that's gonna be coming out soon. Keep walking forward. It's gonna fucking that thing is gonna be very sweet. Um, <laughs> please find that. That'll be on you know Spotify and fucking places that you stream music um yeah keep an eye out for the new hell satan album yeah keep an eye out for more comics by jake fairley yep. yeah. keep an eye out for more animation from macy little uh thanks so much for watching the podcast guys thanks so much for listening to the podcast uh this has been episode 121 of the motherfucking podcast i'm aaron howell i'm macy yeah well, I, I was I actually <laughs> accidentally did that pause. I had a brain fart because I was trying to think of what I should say about Gordo with him not being here. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming on and and hanging out. And um, yeah, and uh, big shout out to Ethan Klein for coming in and setting up the room. And big shout out to Jake Fairley for being our first in studio guest Fairley. since fucking March, dude. Um, we're going to start doing more of these. Yeah, dude, it's, it's great to actually have you in the room. Yeah. Because I've been wanting to check up on you. I, I called and left you two voicemails. We talked about that. I, yeah. I don't check my voicemail. (laughs) Yeah. I left you two very, very sweet voicemails. Yeah. Have you listened to them yet? I I have. I don't even know how to listen to my voicemail on my phone. Someday you'll figure it out and you'll be like, dude, and it'll be, it'll be like when you're very old and I'll have long since passed and someone will be like, grandpa, here's how you get into your voicemail. And you'll like have all these sweet messages from people, and you'll just start tearing up, and then that'll be the end of the Jake Fairley movie. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you guys. Immediately after that, it sounds like he's going to die. Like after that. That's sad. This is what he was saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for coming. Godspeed. Fade to black. Bye. The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. 
or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 